Well, let's warm up a little bit. We don't want to scare our visitors to death. Uh, You know, I think that getting saved and being saved and staying saved is something worth getting excited about. Dear God, we can't get excited about the Mavericks anymore. (laughs) The tombstone has been set. (laughs) Amen. The skinny lady done sung. So we can't get excited about the Mavericks. And I ain't going to get excited about the Cowboys. Somebody please hold my wife. And I'm really getting doubtful about the Rangers. (laughs) But I've never had any doubt about Jesus. He's a winner and has won every game he's played. And he's going to be the closeout man in the final inning. Can anybody say amen now? Now, some of you visitors that's sitting around a bunch of saved rednecks, if they start acting up, give us another chance. We just have fun serving Jesus around here. Could I illustrate fun? Brother Ms. Hale, how many toddlers did you have in your class today? Art in your class. What ages is that? Would you like to have 30 or 40 of those to watch this morning? That's fun. They have come to the auditorium this morning to regain their sanity. <laughs> In your Bible, if you turn with me today to the book of Mark, I'm not going to preach very long. That way I can just continue the same thing tonight and won't have to study this afternoon. Please, if you turn your Bible with me, and I'd, the month of May, we have adapted a theme at the first of the year that this month, Our theme is being consumed with compassion. And I'm going to try this week and this month to bring you a series of messages around being compassionate. And uh, I have chosen the text today that probably might be uh, a little erratic for that particular theme. But I think we all could stand a little bit more compassion. Uh, In a couple of weeks, I'm going to preach on, is it compulsion or compassion that moves you? Many folks are moved to the altar out of a compulsion. And it don't last till they get back to their pew. Many folks are parents out of compulsion. That's why kids are angry when they grow grow up. Many gets married out of compulsion. That's why marriages don't last. Many folks join a church out of compulsion. I just felt compulsed to do it. And then when I preach on tithe, then they have a compulsion also to get out. That was for the members. You visitors don't have to say amen. (laughs) Please read with me now. Follow along. I'll begin reading in the book of Mark. And I'd like to begin reading at verse 31, please. The Bible says, and he said unto them, come ye yourselves apart unto a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. 
And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all cities, and outwent them, and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, and was moved with compassion toward them, because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away, that they may go into the country round about, into the villages, and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. He answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred penny worth of bread and give them to eat? He saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they say, Five and two fishes. And he commanded them to make all set down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and brake the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of fragments and of fishes. And they that did eat of the loaves were about five thousand men. Our Father today, in this brief time, make this scripture come alive, if you please. I pray not for the preacher, but for the preaching. I pray that folks today would see that this thing of Christianity is mothered and birthed in the bosom of compassion. And I pray, Lord, today, speak to each of our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I'd like to talk to you today about being consumed with something. Probably more than likely, all of us are consumed with something. It might be a sweetheart. Once a teenager realizes the opposite sex smells different. Their attention begins to lean in another direction besides fishing and coon hunting, ball games and such. And they get consumed with, well, whatever. Many of you today are consumed with your past. You're allowing your past to ruin your present. And you look toward the future with no hope because you're consumed with what happened to you a long time ago. Well, you say my parents abused me. If I'd known what I know today, I would have turned my parents in every day. It's got to be illegal to do what my daddy and my mama did to me. I'm warped. And it's all because of the past. Let me offer you a suggestion. Build you a bridge and get over it. 
Many folks are absolutely consumed. I mean eat up. I mean absolutely overtime on something that transpired years ago. And now your actions are completely controlled, not by God and not by rationale, but because of hurt or disappointment. Many of us are consumed with such things as hurt and loss and sorrow. Many folks are consumed with materialism. If I can just get enough junk, that will make me the happiest junkie in the world. And we're training our kids to be the same way. Andrew and I was talking yesterday. And we were talking about the things that are consuming folks. We heard the other day that 90% of the athletes that has made $15 million are bankrupt today. 90% of the athletes that has received a $15 million contract or they've made $15 million in their lifetime playing sports, today they are bankrupt. And they're sending their brains off trying to see if maybe they got them scrambled playing football. No, they were scrambled when they put all their hopes in this world. And in thinking fulfillment would be found in athletics or materialism or horseplay or bulldogs or chicken fights or some other ridiculous thing that you're putting all of your hopes in. Please excuse me, but I need some help. Amen, Reverend. Consumed, driven by success, driven or consumed with education. If I can just get enough degrees, I'd look like a thermometer. Consumed with a, a, a pleasure, consumed with sports and hobbies. Maybe could I be safe in saying that maybe some folk might be slightly selfish? Could it be possible that in our motivation to be a success and in our drive to be materially Functional or free and in our consumption of what this world has told us that make us happy. Maybe is it possible that some of us, some of you have become just a dab selfish. Could it be that maybe we've become the grand finale? Could it be that some of us have become the icing on our cake? Is it possible that somebody here might even be consumed with self? Just asking, because I don't want to make anybody mad. Maybe you and I have become our main attraction. But I'm glad I can say to you today, there's one that I know who is not that way. Notice, if you would please, I read for you verse 34. And the Bible says, and Jesus, When he came out, saw much people and was moved not with compulsion. What was moved with compassion toward them. 
because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. Notice, if you would please, that compassion does something in a positive way. Compassion always moves. You say, well, preacher, I haven't moved in a long time. And maybe we need some compassion in our church. Maybe we need to take the spotlight off of us and put them on somebody else. Maybe we need to be like our Lord and maybe we need to follow the example of our Lord. And instead of looking on the inside, maybe we could take our eyes and look on the outside and see the hurt and the need in this old world. That's what the church is for. It's not to sit around and get fat and lazy. It's not to sit around, bless your heart, and complain about each other. It is to look out among the hurting and the dying and the lost and the hungry and be a solution for their need. He was moved with compassion. Compassion is made up of two words. C-O-M which means together, passion, which means to suffer. Compassion means to suffer together. And when Jesus looked out and saw the hungry, the hurting, the dying, he saw past the grave, he saw into eternity, and he knew that all of those throngs of people were not only hungry spiritually, but he realized deep down in the heart that every person there had a spiritual hunger, a spiritual need that went farther than the grave and reached plumb into eternity. And the Bible said that Jesus suffered with them. How long has it been since we have together suffered what somebody else is suffering? Now, to the child of God and to the church, Paul says when one suffers, all should suffer with it. But these folks are not saved. These folks are lost. These folks are derelicts. These folks are headed to hell. These folks had never heard the gospel story. They never heard John 3.16. They never experienced Romans 5 and 8. They knew nothing. They were wandering, wandering with no leader, no direction, no path to follow, stumbling around in the bumbles of this old world and just falling headlong. And Jesus looked and said... I'm moved. I'm hurting. I feel sorrow. That's compassion. If our church needs anything in the day in which we live, we need to be eat up, consumed, totally engrossed, with compassion for a world for which our Lord died for. You say, preacher, you're you're really you're really reaching out now. Now please, how many of you have ever heard a message? On the feeding of the 5,000. Would you raise your hand? Everybody. How many of you ever heard me preach. On the feeding of the 5,000. How many of you ever heard me preach? How many of you ever heard me to attempt to preach? You see. When we come together in church. It is a matter of fact and faith. It's a fact you're here. And it's a fact that I'm preaching. But I have to take that you're listening by faith. 
When you hear of this miracle, when you hear of the feeding of the 5,000, quickly now, in your own mind, what immediately comes to your mind? Two fish, five loaves, 5,000 men. You get 5,000 Baptists, you've got somewhere in the backyard 5,000 women. And if you've got 5,000 Baptists and 5,000 Baptist men and 5,000 Baptist women, you better not go to the nursery. Because <laughs> you've got a whole parcel of young ones in the nursery. So you could be looking at 15,000 folk. Wow! Now my wife can make a fish go a long way. She can make a sardine look like a whale. That's the reason I hate microwave ovens. Microwave ovens and casserole dishes ought to be outlawed in America. Brother, if you get, in, if you get elected, that's the first bill I want you to hit the floor with. Preacher said, no more casserole dishes and microwaves are out. <laughs> Warm-ups are illegal. What comes to your mind? I think what we've done for so long, that we've looked at the miracle, and we've majored on the miracle, and we've been overwhelmed by the sovereignty and the supply of a wonderful God, we've missed the message. It's not about fish. And it's not about bread. And it's not about the throngs of folk that are following. The message is showing you and I that somebody is absolutely consumed with his love for you and me. I've been preaching now on 50 years. And this week, as I thought, as I prayed, as I meditated on this, I had to look God in the face and say, Dear God, I've missed it for 50 years. Somebody mentioned the text automatically, feeding of the 5,000. The message is that somebody is literally consumed with his care for you. Somebody is literally eat up, Garrett, with his love for you. His name is Jesus. And we've missed it all this time. Bragging on what he could do. When we ought to be bragging on who he is. For God so loved this world. That he was moved. From the right hand and the portals of glory. Stepped out on the golden staircase of eternity and made his way down through the skies and got off in Bethlehem's manger as a little bitty kid. And in the fullness of time, God sent his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem those that are under the law. The message is somebody is literally consumed with love for you. As pitiful as we are, I got things about me I ain't telling you. Because if I told you things about me, no. I know things about my wife I'm not telling you. (laughs) 
But he saw the hungry, the dying, the hurting, the misunderstood, the rejected, the pitiful. And it moved him. Moved him. Compassion is love and hurt in action. Compassion is Christianity in shoe leather. Compassion is seeing my need. And he took care of it at his expense. Compassion is saying, I needed a ticket. And he bought it. Compassion is saying that I was in debt. And Jesus paid it all. We must not allow the miracle to hide the message. The message is not about fish and bread. The message is that Jesus saw our need and was moved with compassion. Does anybody have a thank you, Lord? Does anybody here today can say, praise God? Let me ask you something. Would you have died for you? Knowing what kind of loser you are? I wouldn't have died for Jim. In fact, I'd run to keep from dying for Jim. You say, well, you're not a very good friend. I'm not talking about friendship. I'm talking about being a savior. And instead of running away, Jesus ran to the cross. Knowing the suffering, despising the shame, but for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Can anybody say amen? You say, preacher, that's good. That's better than that. That's gooder and good. Amen. Now, can I show you something? I just, I want to dissect the story for just a minute. I'm consumed with something. Notice, if you would, just three little simple things in the text. Now, I want you to notice, first of all, the problem. Number two, the personality. And number three, the power. And if you're not careful, you will get caught up in all of that and miss He was moved with compassion. The reason he recognized the problem was because of the compassion. The reason he needed a personality is because he was moved with compassion. God always uses human instrumentality. And the reason he mentions the power is because he was moved with compassion. Notice the, if you would please, the problem. Let me help you just a little bit. You know, it would help if I'd lay my Bible upside right. You know, uh, I was going to get up here and read it this way, but if I'm profane, misunderstand that maybe I'd lost my coup. We need to pray for one of our staff. His iPad quit working. Now that, my dear friend, is next door to tribulation. (laughs) I saw it by way of my wife on the hairnet or internet. Spacebook, that's what it was. She said one of our staff is mourning the loss of his iPad. That's a real problem. Notice the problem, if you would please, and I'll 
jot it for you in verse 34. The Bible says in verse 34, And when it came out, Jesus saw the people and was moved with compassion toward them. Here it is. Because they were wandering around, not knowing where to go, what to do, what to say, where to eat, where not to eat, where to drink, what to drink, what not to drink, what to say, what not to say, how to live and how not to live. They needed a shepherd. I read one time, it's not in man to direct his steps. The problem was that there was a need. Notice, if you would please, in verse 5, the day was far spent. In Matthew chapter 14, in verse 15, the Bible said it was evening time. Verse 36 of your text says, and they have nothing to eat. I'll tell you, a real problem is when a Baptist gets home after work and there's nothing to eat. Do I have any mamas saying amen? (laughs) Do I have any ladies agreeing with me that when daddy comes home, he wants groceries? The day was far spent. It was evening time. And now notice What Jesus saw, he saw a great company, he saw a great need, he saw that there needed something, and the Bible says he looked beyond their physical hunger, saw their spiritual hunger, and the Bible said he come to seek and to save. Is that not so? That which was lost. Many come to this church because they're going through a tremendous Situation in their life. Many come because they've reached a place in their life. They just don't know what to do. I had my office door open the other day. And a man just walked in and said, could I talk to you for a minute? I said, sure. He said, I've been to four churches and nobody would talk to us. I said, sit down in that chair. I said, let me ask you something. If you died today, do you know if you'd spend eternity in heaven? No. I said, well, let's take care of that. And we led him to Christ. He didn't know that's what he needed. He thought he needed a psychiatrist. He thought he needed somebody to show some hope in their life. Folk come to our church because they're going through a divorce, because they lost their job, because of all kinds of things in the world. But Jesus passed passed that little need to your real need. Your real need is not physical. Your real need is spiritual. And once you get that taken care of, the Jesus that I know said, I will take care of all of your need according to your riches in glory. Isn't that something? Jesus saw something and he saw them as sheep wandering about without a shepherd. And you know when compassion sees somebody like that, it always moves them. Notice, Jesus said, now, I I need somebody to take a survey trip. We need to survey the situation. And now notice in John chapter 6, Jesus picked somebody to survey the situation. His name is Philip. And in John 6, verse 5, he says, he reports to Jesus. And he says, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw a great company and He saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Do you think maybe Philip kind of said, Why don't we ask Judas? He's carrying the bag. How would I know? You know how Baptist folk eat? Yeah. Verse 6 says, And this... Jesus said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Do you think that Jesus has ever pulled your string to see what you'd say? Jesus knew how he was going to handle it. He just wanted Philip to take a survey trip. 
He just wanted to see if Philip was ready to walk by faith and not by sight. He just wanted to see if old Philip would look at the God instead of the lunch. Look at the solution instead of the problem. I know there's nobody here today looking at the problem instead of the solution. And he come back and said, it would take 200 penny worth. That is three-fourths of a year's salary for anybody in that crowd. Well, Philip, survey trip didn't work. And he looked over to another disciple and said, Andrew, what have you got to say about this? Jesus saw, Philip surveyed, and Andrew said, Well, there's a lad here, and he's got a lunch. There's a little lad, a little lunch, and a little catch. But, does anybody ever tell you, I love you, but? I'd loan you this money, but <laughs> I'd let you borrow my car, but you know what Andrew said? He said, well, I found a lad because Andrew's always bringing somebody to Jesus. Every time he's mentioned in the Bible, he's introducing somebody to Jesus. Introduced Peter in John 1, his brother to the Lord brought him to Jesus. John 12, he introduced the Greeks to Jesus. Now he's brought a little lad to Jesus. Ain't that sweet? And he said, well, I've got a little lad with a little lunch, but I'm not sure it's the solution. (laughs) But what are they among so many? Now, I know this Jesus thing is something. (laughs) He can't help this situation. I don't love her. She don't love me. We both stink in each other's eyes. Every time I touch her, skin crawls all of her toenails. Nobody can do anything with this. Have you ever tried feeding 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes? You can finish, Jim, because this crowd's asleep. <laughs> what Jesus saw. The problem. Notice the personality. Look at this, look at this. A great big problem like this. Surely he could have got a theologian. Maybe, maybe, maybe he could have got one of the, one of the Pharisees or the Sadducees up at the, up at the temple. You know, a theologian, uh, sure. No, the personality. Grab this now. Get a hold of this. There is a lad here. A lad. For such a big problem. God bless his mama for packing him a lunch. Amen. Today, the government would have had to bought it. Because these are poor folks. Two sardines. And five little bitty cakes of bread. That's welfare stuff, son. Thank God for a mama who said, that preacher's long-winded. <laughs> You're going to be there a while. And all this great big problem. And somebody said, there's a lad here. His personality. There's a lad. I can see the disciples. Well, dear God, we need a, a tomain wagon. We need a chuck wagon. We need one with a whistle and a siren. We don't need no kid. We need a real grown-up deal to handle this problem. You see, God works always through human instrumentality. I was reading one day about an Ethiopian eunuch who had been to Jerusalem to worship. 
He was on his way back to Ethiopia, sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, chapter number 53. God saw that Ethiopian eunuch down there all by himself and summons the fellow by the name of Philip who was preaching a tremendous revival and folks were being saved and I mean wonderful things were happening and God said, Philip, I want you to go down the way to Samaria. There you'll find a, a, a eunuch, a black man, a black man in authority there in a chariot reading the book of Isaiah. And Philip ran. And there he was, just like God said, sitting in his chariot underneath a tree in the shade, no air conditioning on, reading Isaiah 53, where it says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by stripes we were healed. And the the preacher walked up and said, Say, sir, do you understand what you read it? Do you know what that guy said? How can I except some man guide me? Have you been guiding folk to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Everything else is secondary. Everything else is second shelf. How can I Except some man guide me. God always uses human agency to lead others to Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? And here he's picked a lad. There's a lad here with a lunch. It's not much. But the lad is not a Baptist. He said you can have all of it instead of 10%. Notice this. There's a lad, his personality. Here, his presence. I wonder if anybody in the crowd was glad the kid didn't stay home that day. Folks come to me all the time and they say, Preacher, what happened Sunday? I said, Well, last week we had nine or ten saved and some folks baptized. Oh, I wish I'd have been there. Why wasn't you? Somebody have you tied? Mama wouldn't let you come. come Your pet rock had pebbles. <laughs> you know how you fix a problem by being here. His personality, he's a lad. His presence, he's here. His provision. All he had. All he had. Well, what are you going to eat if you give it all? (laughs) I'll leave that in God's hands. Lad's lunch wasn't going to meet the need as long as it was in his hand. But you put two sardines and five cakes of bread in Jesus' hand. And that makes it all different kind of lunch. Huh? Well, I've been talking to my neighbor about my home situation. <laughs> How many times they've been divorced? You're talking about a person that had five people leave her and she's telling you how to keep yours together? That's like going to a bankrupt fella to learn how to manage your money. <laughs> Our trainer of mules on how to win the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> Put it in Jesus' hands. Take your problem and quit looking at the problem and start looking at the solution. And Jesus Christ is the solution. Amen. It's not about problems. It's about a compassionate Savior that says, I can fix it. We've developed a, a, a saying around here. It's a God thing. Are you listening to me? It's a God thing. 
It's not an Obama thing and it's not a Washington thing. It is a God thing. And we better get God in on the thing or the thing's going to sink. I'm done. You say, you, you're kidding. Yeah. I can't quit with another P up there, can I? The problem of the person the power. There's power. Power. One working power in the blood. Are you glad of that? Power, power, one working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Oh, just notice, I, 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 don't, want to, I don't want to take long. Let me show you the solution, if you'll allow me to. It'd be tough. But I want to show you the solution. Verse 43. First word. Jesus. That's the end. And the beginning. And everything in between. That you need. To fix your hurt. To fix your sorrow. To fix your dilemma. To experience the love that that compasses all kinds of understanding. Jesus. 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 There's just something about that name. You can try anything you want to. You can call Muhammad, Buddha, Confucius, who's still confused. You can name all those names. You can talk about the old man upstairs. You can call Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nishai, all of those names. But you can't even say that name. Without something happens physically, emotionally, and spiritually. You want to try it? It works. Hey, well, I'm talking about for real, man. It's not something that your mama thought was right. Man, this thing is real. Let's just all together now, everybody. Hit the guy next to you and wake him up. If it's your wife, don't hit her too hard. <laughs> I'd hate to have a counseling session right here in front of God and everybody. Ready? Everybody now. Listen. Participate. Let's just help you a little bit. You say, I don't believe that stuff. Well, let's just check it out. Everybody together. On three. Let's just say the name Jesus together. One. Two. Jesus. Now let's do it again, just a little softer. One, two, Jesus. Let's do it again. One, two, Jesus. Feel it? Maybe here. Maybe here. Maybe here. There's just something about that name. Wow. Problem is ours. Person is us. But the power is his. Say, preacher, I don't believe God can save me. Won't you try I'm tough. You ain't got enough guts to try this? Couldn't be too tough if you're too afraid to walk down here. That looks like a real booger, don't it? That'd take a real he-man to walk down here and say, Lord, I'm as sorry as dirt. My breath stinks. 
I got wrinkles for wrinkles I don't want. I'm dying as sure as the world. And I'm going out like I came in, bald-headed and toothless. But oh, I just don't know if I can walk down there or not. Yeah, you can. Because down here you'll find somebody's absolutely consumed with compassion for your need and your want and your hurt. And all of God's people said, Amen. And the Bible said, when he saw the people, he was moved with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Probably the most familiar chapter in all the Bible is Psalms 23. You know how it starts? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. A little boy quoted that. The Lord is my shepherd and that's all I want. Is he your shepherd? He wants to be. That's the message. And he can be. That's the miracle. If he can turn just a few loaves and a few fishes to feed 15,000. Be a small thing to him. Forgive your sins. Write your name in the book of life and stamp on your card justified. Washed in the blood.